Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Noel. I'm Zach. Fellas, we are continuing our look at the One Ring. We are going to be jumping into chapters four and five. Remember, this is the One Ring, the, the newly released edition from Free League. It is available on Drive Through RPG as well as going to Free League's website. Uh, but before we jump into that, guys, how are we doing? Not too bad. Doing well. Yeah. Happy Easter. I- Happy Easter, if that's something you celebrate. Indeed, I did happen to uh, our friend John Thoreau had mentioned messaged me earlier this week with this. This have you seen this thing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look on it and it's that Tina's wonderful playland or whatever it's called. Tiny Tina's tiny Tina's. He's like, we need to play this. It's so good. I told him that no, I was telling him that Nolan's playing it. He's like, "Okay, there's another reason why we need to be playing this game. It's it's good. I've enjoyed it. Um, I did yeah. try the first one, and unfortunately, I just don't like Borderlands. So fair, yeah. fair. I I am the other end of the spectrum. I love Borderlands. I like the art style. Um, and then this one is a lot of fun, um, just from a standpoint of adding the D and D instead of like chucking grenades. You know, have spells, and they're all different. And so uh, they have multi classing, yeah. which is fantastic. And oh. Uh, so right now I am playing a spore warden, which is kind of like a, a druid and a ranger who has a mushroom pet who runs up to mobs and AOE farts and does poison oh cloud gosh. damage. And your character's like, oh, God, what have I been feeding you? And uh, wait, am I supposed to be feeding you? And um, <laughs> and so it has that oh, kind it's of ridiculous. humor. And so it's all kinds of druid stuff and summoning-ish um, with like a bow and but it's very much a ranger. And then I've multi-class that with like a necromancer warlock who summons demons and summons dark hydras and uh, have a, just like a pet minion build going bananas on the screen. So lots of options on it, but the comedy is great. The character writing is fantastic. Um, Tiny Tina is, uh, what's her name? Is it Amanda Birch? She's done a couple Uh, of... The voice of Aloy? Uh, could be. I know she's done a lot of stuff. I can't hear her, but she's done a bunch of stuff with Nickelodeon. But she was, uh, she's done some guest spots on Critical Role. Yeah. Yeah. She does, uh, Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Ashley Birch. My apologies. Ashley Birch. That's it. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a joy to play through. The quests are fun. The story's fun. It is, uh, it's not too bad as far as like adult humor and stuff like that. Like, uh, some of the it no curse words or anything like that so it's not too bad for oh offend me with the curse word well it just i think they went after a different group um after a bunch of like borderlands was a bunch of cannibals and murder hobos and now we're fighting on dead skellies and bandits yeah. and stuff but it's yeah, nice to I, play a yeah. game in front of your your children yeah. I, I did happen to show a video of it. I was trying to find that magic missile video that you had sent us, Nolan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to show barbarian. that. Yeah, I was trying to show that to Sharif, but um, I couldn't find it. But I was able to f- find some gameplay of it, and I showed it to her. She's like, "That looks like a game that I would play." Yeah, so. it's, it's got and and there more and more games are now also adding the um, difficulty level scaling, so you can play totally casual where you do like. 10% more damage and they do 10% less damage. So you can just play the story and have fun. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, All right. Well, I don't know. It may be in my future. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we it still need this person. So you'll be motion sick. Never mind. It is not in my future. There we go. Just can't do it. Uh, I guess we'll just have to play more Diablo too. They did come out with a new patch for that. Uh, the first patch oh. since existence. And they brought a bunch of the air quotes, bad builds up and brought some of the only build. I mean, there's like four builds that were S tier, and now there's like eight to 12 builds that are S tier. And so okay. that's pretty cool. Well, new season of I haven't touched three. I haven't touched a video game in a couple of weeks. Been way too busy. I will say that as we're rambling incoherently, I, April is anniversary month for a lot of the video games I play. So I'm going into my 15th anniversary of playing Lord of the Rings Online, which I was like, oh, that's, that's a long time. Oh, man. And okay. then I got one that said it's the 23rd and anniversary of everquest and i was like oh my gosh i've been an adult longer than this has been oh no i officially have passed that hump of old so well welcome to it yeah it sucks you're finally with me about my first white chest hair i mean come on it's all downhill god damn it yep so okay 
Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Actually, it dawned on me the other day that uh, the third Hobbit movie is quickly coming up on its 10th anniversary. Yeah, I mm-hmm. really so every 10 years we're just, you know, we got what the Amazon show coming out. So, yep. Can't wait to see what they do when I turn 60. It'll be the Silmarillion. Yeah. That's kind of what this show is. So. All right. So <laughs> we have completely gone off the rails. Let's get back to the one ring. We have already checked, taken a look at chapters one, two, and the exceptionally long chapter three. And now we're going to be looking at chapters four and five. So we're really going to be diving into the skills and the attributes, the things that really make up your character. Uh, there are some skills that we are going to be kind of going a little bit deeper into because we felt like there is a, a definite need, especially if you're not an experienced role player. If you're an experienced role player, some of these skills are just going to make sense to you. You're going to look at it. Go, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. But there's some where it's like, oh, all right, well, that's an interesting. And when you think about it, it makes sense. But it's not something you would have probably attributed here uh, because you're used to doing it elsewhere in like games like Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going to take a look at the skills today. Uh, that's chapters four and then get into some of the other stuff in chapter five. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. So let's let's dive into it and talk about the actual skills. And Nolan, we're going to start with you on this one. Um, how are the skills broken down? Absolutely. Um, so skills uh, in this game, you're going to have, again, your three primary stats, strength, heart, and wits. And each one of these skills will be based on those. I will say that looking through this, uh, I had not anticipated some of these being the way they were, such as uh, song is a strength skill uh, to have a clear singing voice. And I think we see more of this in Hobbit as well of song is used a lot um battle cries battle drums you know uh, uh just you know lifting people up song is very important the power of word is so seeing that as a strength skill uh it makes sense um then some of the heart skills which i thought was interesting was like travel being an energetic guide uh which i, I, I guess uh aragon chucking apples and hitting hobbits in the head makes him good at this i don't know um but some other heart skills as well, which I, uh, being a charismatic leader, uh, battle came into heart. So that I thought might've been like a strength skill when I first looked at it. So as you're looking at these, long story short is take a look, see what they are and see where they go to. Cause it may not be as obvious as I thought it was anyway. So, um, stealth is a wit skill, which makes sense because the art of being quiet is, you know, I, I guess we just get so used to dexterity as just stuff. Well, being able to hold your breath, being able to, you know, be where people don't expect you. Uh, the hobbits are very much, um, just, they're not actively doing it. They just kind of stay out of harm's way and it's because they're clever enough to not get noticed. The one thing I thought we should mention before we go too far is that there can be things called favored skills. And yeah. this is uh, all roles made with the favorite skills are favorite roles. The acting player rolls two feet dice, keeping the best result. Very similar to rolling advantage in D&D. Mm-hmm. And the you time. get these. It's always what? on. Right. It's is this always from on. class or is this from race? I don't remember from last week. Uh, well, they're one in the same in this game, but it's you get a bunch of favored skills. Yeah, it can be from your cultural background. It can be from your. Um, your choice of like. Focus like Captain Warden, right, that's, that's Avenger, whatever, class, right. and um, and then if you're inheriting, you know, a, a character, if you're the heir of an older character, one of the skills they were proficient in becomes your family's right. favorite skill. So you just get tons of them. Yeah, and I can, it was just great. See, uh, like you're riddles, be good being it. a Hobbit thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Handed down from generation to generation is kind of their pastime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are just the skills that you're supposed to be really good at. And and the other thing that I wanted to mention is that just because you don't have a skill doesn't mean you can't roll. It just means you're you have a very much a lower chance of succeeding because you're not adding you're only adding what one feet die to your roll at that point. It's just yep. It's just the d12. Yep. And so the max you can get is 10. So you're like you're very likely unlikely to succeed unless you roll an auto success, which is a 12. Right, right. Which is kind of interesting because it does. I think it really brings in the the, the idea of dumb luck, right? Uh, he just he happened does. to find that thing. And it's really cool because I like the idea of rolling a skill that you don't have that ultimately you add experience into and you can really see the progression of the character and development through gameplay. Yeah. yeah it, uh, the, it is I'm all about that. Where it's, 
I mean, it's only a one in 12. That's a lot less than like a one in 20. Sure. From fifth edition, but it is like, yeah, like, uh, I'd like to sneak past and have them be like, you've never snuck before in your life. And then you roll the 12 and, and you're it's like, like, oh, I, I guess you do. And you just surprised. You're like, hey, I'm actually kind of good at this. Whoops. And now you get it. So there are 18 skills, and I just wanted to go over quickly the different what they are in the different categories. For the strength skills, we have awe, athletics, awareness, hunting, song, and craft. For the heart skills, we have enhearten, travel, insight, healing, courtesy, battle. And in the wits category, we have persuade, stealth, scan, explore, riddle, and lore. So those are the 18 different skills. And there are different skill groups that I'm not going to dive into that. Yeah, and I, I, what they do with those skill groups is just kind of to help you figure out what it is. So if it's a personality skill, um, you know, versus a movement skill, athletics, travel, stealth is movement based, and that'll help you kind of track down what you're trying to do. So this is kind of a section too of like, well, I'd like to do this. And then you guys can kind of go, well, this seems to be along the lines of something that would be survival rated. So let's go ahead and look on that area. Yeah, that's a good point, Nolan. Yeah. I so this, didn't even this, think about it that way. Yeah, it'll help the DM and you try and figure out what I should be rolling for. So it, I find it easier as a player of sometimes saying, this is what I'd like to do. Is there a way for me to do it? And we see that very much in Vampire, where you guys would say, mm -hmm. I want to do this. And it's like, you know what? Uh, why don't you add these two skills together and roll that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and we actually started, we started applying that in, in D&D as well. You guys will tell me, I want to do this. And it's like, well, I think it's going to be in this. And then we kind of go back and forth until we figure out what, how we want it to roll. Mm -hmm. And sometimes so, it's just not possible. And that's yeah. it. So can't yep. the sun. So Nolan, let's jump into the some of the because you did say there were some skills that you thought were important that that we mentioned. So why don't we let you kick that off? Yeah. Uh again, I think some of that was us talking about like uh you had mentioned craft being used to uh start a fire on a windy hill. And for me, I'd be like, well, that would be, you know, like survival. I'm an outdoorsman. Well, there's an art in being able to build a fire. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So there are a few of those in here that will be along those lines of, um, I didn't think that's how it would be used, but no more I think about it, it makes sense. Um, again, song being a strength uh, ability as well, I thought was very interesting. And it does kind of come down to being some of those that you would think like, well, I don't know, in, in 5e performance rarely comes up as something of impact. Um, and here I feel like most of the skills are going to have their moment where you're going to want that. The ability to uplift people in moments and, and, and cast out the dread and bring in the hope is actually going to be something that is going to be very handy in those moments to help with the rules. You know, thinking about craft in particular and how it talks about fire building, I think about, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm rereading The Hobbit. And one of the things that they mention is uh, the night that they find the trolls, the dwarves are unable to make a fire. Yet, however, Tolkien states that dwarves are known to be able to make a fire at any time, anywhere. And all of a sudden they're unable to. And it, it, I wonder if that's why they chose craft, because it's very thematic of what Tolkien wrote. And, you know, obviously they failed their role that night. Mm -hmm. um, Riddle, uh, I thought was interesting with two, the, uh, it's, it's kind of like it can be combined into part of looking through information. So it allows almost like an investigation style check. If you're familiar with 5e, uh, you can try and draw conclusions um, from just pieces of information. And then the other avenue on that as well as if you're talking to somebody and not trying to give away the whole truth. And what that made me think of was Gandalf's got to have like a, you know, auto, you know, 19 out of 20, you know, on this right. thing here with his ability to speak in riddles. But we hear that a lot. You speak in riddles, Master Dwarf, you know, you speak in, or, you know, however, and it's like, Oh, okay. I'm telling you the truth without telling you the truth. Um, and we see that a lot too with, uh, uh, Denethor, right. Being upset. Oh, you come giving me counsel, but I already know that you're trying to replace me. Um, so I, a lot of this stuff is very thematic and I could find tie-ins to the, the movies and the mm -hmm. books. Well, and, and after every skill, there is a quote. Yes. And, and it definitely shows us where they're they're getting some of this stuff. And and this this, I think, speaks to the beauty of this book. The fact that they are showing you how they pulled this from Tolkien's writing, from Tolkien's lore and applied it to this. And, and I just think that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's nice. It, it I don't know. Reading this stuff gives me uh, a a nice warm feeling of like, oh yeah. So, and you talked about stealth, stealth being a wit skill versus being a dexterity skill, as we're so used to it being. Um, and it it really does. If you think about it, it's like you have to know what you're doing. Um, they talk about uh, when the when the hobbits or when the dwarves are going up the hillside to see the trolls or to identify the trolls, right? Bilbo was very upset because the the dwarves are making so much noise in his opinion. And he's talking about, or he's thinking to himself how hobbits walk so quietly through the woods. And it's just, they just know how to walk quietly and the dwarves don't. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's just pulling from the books, pulling from Tolkien's writing and applying it to this game. Well, and I think so much of the, again, with it being a wits thing, it does show, um, when when you you need to be able to react at a moment's notice to be where you're not supposed to be right or not expected because it does talk about tailing somebody uh, or shadowing somebody um you know there's an art in that um and it does take some intelligence so yeah it's i i was happy to read through these here and see that i didn't find a skill that i thought was wasted which i feel like in 5e there's sometimes like well that's not going to come up or if it does come up, it doesn't really matter. My right. ability to play my loot in the inn is probably not going to wipe the party as much as me being able to make an athletics check and not fall from the side of a mountain. Right. I do think that in earthen is an auto select. Every, every adventurer needs an earthen. I'm just going to continue hounding the one about that. I mean, you've got to find the relics of the past. That's how you that's find, right. that's how you find sting. There's a whole right. select, there's a whole section on treasure hoards we got to get to like yeah how else do you think you get those <laughs> by an earthen <laughs> Zach were there any skills that that stood out to you that that you thought you know didn't at first it make sense but you were like you know what that actually does work no I think they're like they're really deep cuts like the fact that they have a little quote from the books you know at the end of each skill that kind of lets you know where they pulled it from um at first glance they just don't really make a lot of sense you're like what like a riddle or you know and hearten but the more you like think about it you read the quotes like the developers really showed their work they put a lot of thought into this you can feel really how much did. thought they put into it you know which i think speaks to the beauty of this game you know and some are gonna make sense like hunting and persuade but um others yeah like even things that we kind of understand like insight or persuade you know like they still have a a unique kind of take on them like also i love awe which is just how you look which is strength based yeah because like gaston you know like he has a he has a high awe skill. He does. He does the one look at Gaston like no one spits like Gaston. Real quick. So I think, yeah, they all kind of make sense. I think they're fun little takes. And I think they could have just been like survival, endurance or survival, endure, uh, persuade, intimidate. They could have done all that kind of stuff. And so just gone and with really basic level skills but i think they really like dove, dove deep into the books and came up with their own takes on them i know we keep making fun of in earth and in and hearten and and it really is just us poking fun at nolan nolan is the kind of person who reads really fast and sometimes because of the way he reads the words my brother does this too like he'll just miss a letter in the word and then he just says the word and it cracks me up all the time um However, when it comes to in heart, and I'm going to read the what the skill is, and I'm going to read the quote so people can see what we're talking about. It says player heroes can use the in heart and skill to instill positive feelings in others, urging them to act on the manner on the on the matter at hand. They achieve this mainly through example, charisma and personal conviction, rather than through the effective use of words, which falls under persuade. This skill can be used on individuals, but is particularly effective influencing crowds. Player heroes can with high in heart and ratings can be forceful orders passionate agitators and well-loved leaders a successful and heartened role awakens a chosen feeling in this 
subject, as long as it is not in opposition to their current mood. A superior success is enough to influence wholly disinterested individuals and turn rivals into supporters. So that's the skill. The quote is, he returned to the walls and passed around all their circuit, enheartening the men. And I mean, you think about like if you if you're just thinking about the movies and and what Aragorn is able to do to the men. I mean, even to, you know, um, Theoden, how he inspires Theoden to ride out again. That is totally in heartened. And and I again, I just love how they link these skills and show you where they got them. And I think we see a lot of examples of it um, just from that as well. Uh, You know, uh, Boromir. Uh, rallying the troops is yep. phenomenal at this. He probably is one of the best through doing it through example. Um, Gandalf talking to uh, uh, Pippin before the gate, like Pippin's like, I can't believe this is how it ends, you know? Yeah, and that's Gandalf a good point. Very much there. And then I also was thinking of uh, in The Hobbit when the mob shows up with all this gold and the dwarves and stuff like that, and they're ready to lynch the 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 leader, the the big guy, whatever his name was. Um, and he comes out and he totally flips the mob into his favor and supplies the dwarves. And now it's not about him being a gold hoarder. It's about let's help these dwarves and we're all going to like, I mean, he totally used it for evil, but it was fantastic. Yeah, that's a great point. So that's the skills. Now, as we continue through this chapter, uh, we're going to get into the combat proficiencies. Um, I love the quote right at the beginning. Legolas shot two through the throat. Again, he hewed the legs from another that had sprung up on Balin's tomb. Boromir and Aragorn slew many. So, uh, yeah, so we have some combat proficiencies. Zach, we're going to turn this one to you. Uh, I, they work exactly like skills. Every time you need to, in combat, use a weapon, you, you roll your, your d12, you add as many d6s as your skill, and you compare it to your strength. And that's it. And uh, the whole fellowship is here. We've got axes, yes. we've got bows, there's some spears, which I guess no one in the party used, um, and swords. And every... No, I don't think they did. I mean, the writers of Rohan did, but that's about it. Yeah, and there's also some um, some unaffiliated weapons, like cudgels and daggers, that I think everyone gets to just use. Yeah, those are going to be in your, um, was their brawling section, right? Yeah, they're things that uh, they're just, everyone kind of has. I don't really think you need like a proficiency in them. Like everyone knows how to use a dagger. Even Pippin and Mary know how to use a dagger. Even Grima knew how to use a dagger. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they so, do with the the spears. They do talk about that uh, with uh, the Rohirrim pointing the spear at his chest. And uh, Gilgalad was oh, that's right. a yes. great spear wielder. Um, yep. To a point that he used a great spear, yeah, yeah. used two Ice hands, spear. and Elrond carried his banner. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, as you kind of get into the combat, each one does different things. Um, like axes have a really high injury rating, which we'll go over later. But that's right. your chance of inflicting a, like an instant kill. Yeah, a piercing blow. Yeah, and so having axes is like they deal the most damage, but they're kind of a little harder to wield. Swords are just like kind of your everyday weapon. Some are good. There's a lot of them. So if you have proficiency in swords, you'll get to use a lot of different things. Like it's not a bad choice. You know, your halfling and the hobbits having a sword proficiency lets them kind of do a lot of stuff. I think in spears, uh, with combat, you get to go first. Would make sense. When they come into range, you get to go first. And bows, in the opening round of combat, everyone gets a ranged attack if they have one. Like, it just starts with ranged attack. So if you have a bow, you know, Aragorn gets to shoot his bow first when in a fight in the tomb. And then he gets to go use his sword. Like, there's no, like, switching weapons or, okay, do I need to move away or whatever. If you've got a bow, you get to use it right at the start of combat. So they all kind of have their own little, like, quirks and their different things. I think kind of what we talked about earlier with how skills work, I think you really want to specialize. You just tell your friends, like, right, right. like look at my helmet. I'm the sniper. And just kind of like okay we have someone who who can use a bow one of us should also be able to use a bow but that person should probably also have a sword and shield 
Yeah, I agree. And and I think you're absolutely right. I, I do think this game will play dividends or pay dividends if you are specialized in something versus trying to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. And it that can kind of be unfortunate if you're like, yeah, I want to use an axe as a hobbit. And it's like, well, it's going to cost you some extra skill points. But there's a way to do it if you want, if you absolutely want to do it. But there's a way to do it. Um, Sorry, and, frying yeah, or nothing. I mean, yeah. If, you're, yeah, if if your strength is a five, you know, you have to get a 15 to hit someone with your weapon. You're going to want to roll at least two or three success dies. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the combat. I, I think the other thing to mention in combat is it does talk about the classification, so to speak, of weapons. Like the combat proficiency for axes covers axe, great axe, long hafted axe, and a matic. Bows covers bows and great bows. Spears, short spear, spear, and a great spear. Swords, short sword, long sword, and standard sword. So I think it's just important to remember if it is a sword type weapon, it's going to be under swords. Yeah. So, so you if you're going to create a weapon, just create a classification for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about brawling attacks where sometimes you're using a dagger, throwing a rock, which, of course, we've seen that happen in the movies or just using your your fist. There is a way to use just brawling attacks. Mm-hmm. I wanted and, to talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And uh, some enemies have some things where they'll basically grab you and then you can't use a weapon. You have to use brawling attacks. Gotcha. And to escape, you have to roll the six. On your uh, one you of your go. success die, so it can you have to spend a success, so it can like brawling can probably brawling will probably come up once you start fighting a troll. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like, absolutely. Uh, Urukai grabs Aragorn, and he headbutts him about knocks himself out. I don't think right. <laughs> exactly. So I want to talk about the distinctive feature section. This is a fairly small section, but I thought it was interesting in that. I shouldn't say fairly small. There's 24 distinctive features that you apply to your character. But what I want to talk about is fairly small. And that's the so when you create your character, you obviously you give them these distinctive features. Uh, I don't exactly remember how many it is, but the idea of the distinctive features is this is a gives you a chance to apply something to your character like he's very tall here. She's very short here. She has a loud voice and so on and so forth. Uh, But maybe throughout the course of the gameplay, you decide that I don't want them to be intimidating anymore. I want them to be more, you know, less intimidating and more welcoming. How do I change that? I know I have this distinctive feature of intimidating, but I want to change this. How do I do that? So during a Yule Fellowship phase, you're allowed to make that change by undergoing a recount a story undertaking. And and I thought that was really cool. I like the ability of saying that you can do that. Now, I know in our games, in our D&D games, Players have come to me and said, listen, I don't like how I've been playing this character. Is it possible for me to make a change? And typically my answer is yes, because at the end of the day, I want our players to have fun. And if you're no longer having fun playing a character because of something uh, that maybe you wrote during character creation and it just doesn't work anymore, I'm perfectly fine with you changing this. However, I like the idea that they're saying, here's a way for you to do it. Here's a pathway for you to do it. But I also like that they throw in a warning and saying players need to be very careful about changing their distinctive features because ultimately they completely change their player hero. And and it's like you're just trying to reinvent the character. And I think it's great to do this stuff, but I really advise that, you know, if you're going to make that undertaking, if you're going to do that, make sure your lore master is on board and that they know what's going on so they 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 and you can walk through it together. That's all I want to say about that. I think it's a handy little trick to just for the lore master be like, hey, guys, give me give me a distinctive feature. Yeah. And then when and then when narrating, you know, when having NPCs react to the characters of just being like, OK, what's Gimli? Bold. Gotcha. Yes. And then he can describe, you know. A mannerism or how people react or how they might know of your character. Oh, Gimli, the bold. Give me really your name, little... Horse Master, and I should yeah, give you mine. You know, it's a really nice little, it's a handy little trick. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I, I like it because the distinctive features are a great way for us to, like, like I said, as we're creating that character, I want my character to be fair and lordly and merry. Well, maybe throughout the course of the role playing as I'm playing it, he's not the merriest motherfucker in the room. Maybe he's actually rather grumpy <laughs> or stern or whatever. And I need to make that change. Um, I'm OK with that, that happening. I just like the pathway of going through the uh, the 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 change the way they the way they have it detailed. 
Well, and the big thing too is it, okay, so step one, it makes deeper role play. You lean into the character. Step two, if you act on this stuff, you get to become inspired by doing it. Well, why are you doing mm-hmm. this? Well, I'm bold. I'm going to rush in. Um, and so, okay, well, roll inspired. And so I like that thing of turning your, how you made your character into an advantage. Yes. And yep. we see, I think it's, I think it's some of those things too, that if you went through, you know, 10 years of playing a hero and they didn't change from when they started, something's probably not quite right. Events should happen. I mean, we see it with every member of every story that we see, right? Bilbo is not the same when he comes back. Uh, Frodo's not the same when he comes back. Sam is by far. I mean, think of Sam being the hidden gardener to, you know, being what he was, you know, at, at the end of 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 the story. Uh, he has one of the biggest character arcs. Aragorn goes from a grungy ranger to, you know, all of a sudden he's, you know, lordly and inspires awe and he's the king. And so all of them have this growth. Um, and so use it that way too. Something happened in the story and say, wow, this doesn't fit anymore. This affected me. This is why I'd like to change. So do we want to talk about endurance and hope? Nolan, do you want to talk tackle that real quick? Yeah, I can. Uh, so endurance and hope are what keep, her, keep adventures on the road, um, providing them with reserves of energy with the addition uh, additional momentum that sometimes is the only chance a hero has to prevail. Uh, so both ratings are calculated during character creation based on the hero's culture of origin and their strength and heart stats. Uh, endurance is uh, basically your ability to take harm uh in particular uh player heroes lose endurance during combat when they suffer physical damage um and also as you take harm i believe it also affects or as your endurance goes down also your ability to carry the load as sam would say (laughs) yes uh, goes down Um, as well yeah all of your gear your armor your weapon and your helmet excuse me um have like a load have like a weight to them and then uh, if that exceeds your load, you become weary. And if you're weary, anytime you roll a d6, a one, two, or three is a zero. So you become you have a you have a fifty percent chance of rolling a zero on your success dies. It it's a it's bad. You don't want it. You don't want that. Uh, part of traveling as well will cause fatigue. So too much time out and about uh, will cause a form of exhaustion um when gain fatigue points temporarily raise the traveling player's total load effectively making it easier to become weary yep and i, I like the ta- the fact that in this case it talks about resting and how important resting really is and we see that in the books where you know they spend weeks at rivendell instead of just a couple of days you know and the whole point is trying to get the party rested so they can continue their journey yeah I, I like extending out the time frame of being like, you're going to have to rest for a while. Right. And, you know, we saw that with Simbarum where they're like, yeah, you don't actually get a full rest unless you go into a place that's safe for you to rest in. Whereas with D&D, it's like, OK, you slept for the night. You got a long rest. Doesn't matter if you're out in the woods and it's raining like cats and dogs. That's fine. We'll just no one will give us a layman's tiny hut. and We'll be good. And we see that in the stories as well when they um, I mean, they're in. Rivendell for months. Yep. Uh, it recovering, you know, so it, it happens quickly in, in, in movie, you know, but in the books, it is, it is a, a significant amount of time that takes. Yeah, if to I'm recover. not mistaken, the dwarves stayed in Rivendell for 14 days before they moved on. Yeah. I and they were, wrong on they that. were healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have the, the chase of orcs or things uh, that the movie depicted. And they were also very welcomed in Rivendell. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it, you know, those, those are important things to keep in mind uh, because it does show us that there are consequences for our actions. There are, you know, you do need to keep in mind that you are traveling on the road. Traveling on the road is not easy. Even now, like how many of us have gone on a road trip and just think, oh, I just want to sleep in a bed, you know? Yeah. Jet lag's a thing. Jet lag is a thing. Um, so endurance is going to be our physical side. Um, as we move on to, uh, hope, hope is basically your spiritual side. Um, and as we play through the game, there are 
moments where you can use your hope points to basically help aid in rolls. There are also moments that will cause you to be miserable because of basically situations coming bad where your shadow score goes up. Um, and it works in the same way. Uh, your basically will to fight um, and also takes the ability to, takes time to recover as well. Um, this is some of that stuff where inspiring each other, as Zach said, with Inhartan is going to be very key because you need those. I mean, sometimes it, it's what you have to do to pass a role. So then we have standards of living, and I just don't feel like we need to spend a whole lot of time on this. This just talks about like your it really gets into cultures more than anything. And it's, you know, we've talked about the standards of living before. They have a guide of poor, frugal, common, prosperous, rich, and very rich. Talks about your starting treasure. Uh, this is, you know, rewards after adventure adventuring. And it does talk about how no culture in Middle Earth is very rich, uh, which no. is yeah, and it Only would say Bilbo is very rich. <laughs> right because of his mithril shirt. <laughs> and it talks about how player heroes begin the game with a treasure rating corresponding to their cultural standard of living. So as you create your character, we mentioned this before, look at what your standard of living is. And that's where that's going to come into war gear. Zach, you want to touch quickly on war gear? Yeah, it's just your weapons, um, your weapons, your armor and your shield. The only thing like about weapons is that they all do a set amount of damage. Um, an axe deals five damage. That's it. You, you don't have to worry about rolling dice. Did you hit? Perfect. Five damage. There's a load, which is how much like weight it takes to carry around. Remember, if your endurance goes beneath your load, you become weary. And you might have to drop some stuff. Um, the big one for your war gear is your injury rating. Yes. That is the target number that you need to keep aware of if you roll a 10 or a 12 on your d12 remember an 11 is a zero because it's weird but if you roll a 10 or an auto success then whoever you hit has to roll their armor and try to get that target number so a dagger has an injury rating of 14 you would roll the d i get hit with a dagger i would roll a d12 i would roll my armor dice which might be like a d6 or 2d6 and if I don't beat that target number, you just die. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. You just straight up. Technically, you're wounded, but most enemies don't have the wounded condition. They just automatically die. And just so we're just so we're clear, rolling a 10 or a 12 on a D12, that's a one in six chance. Like you can roll a D6 and count any time it comes up as a six that you just killed somebody like it comes up a lot more than you'd think. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the big one about your weapons is that it's less damage. Damage is good, but it's flat damage. The injury rating is going to be the big one where it's like, what can I use? How heavy is it? And also if I get a hit with this great ax, is the orc just going to immediately die? And the answer is, yeah, the orc's just going to immediately die. Decapitation is a thing. Those are the big ones with your weapons is what can you use, but also how heavy it is, right? Like, it doesn't really matter how. How many points a hobbit puts into axes, using a great axe or a matic just isn't going to work. It's too heavy. So, so those are the big things. It's just based on your combat proficiencies. Pick the one that looks coolest and the one that immediately kills the orc. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's jump to chapter five. So chapter five is the valor and wisdom chapter. Uh, this is all about getting rewards, really, at the end of your adventures. Um, it says that uh, the heroic stature of an adventure can be measured in different ways. The so one ring uses two gauges to show how an adventure grows over the course of the game, valor and wisdom. These scores increase as a player hero overcomes challenges that others dare not undertake. They are profoundly different to other types of characteristics, but in what they represent and in the influence of the game. Um, thoughts on this section? On the, this, this, these ratings, what did you guys think? Um, if you don't want to level up an attribute, like you don't want to make, um, if you don't want to increase a skill when you get skill points, you can level up your wisdom or your valor. And every time that goes up to two plus, you get a reward. So this is how you level up. You can either level up your skills or you can level up your virtues or your wisdom. And some of the rewards are pretty cool. 
Um, the rewards go on to your gear. Mm-hmm. So you um, make a, a helmet or some armor really, really good. Um, and then virtues are upgrading yourself. Which I like the rewards, because especially going on your gear, because this this is really, if you're creating another character, this is that heirloom piece, right? This is that piece mm-hmm. that you're going to level up and eventually give to your heirloom or your heir, apparent. Yep, this is the one that you pass down. So you pass down your rewards. And I like that the idea behind um, the growth of the character is kind of two very different ways, right? Wisdom is your ability to grow um, as basically a person, and valor is you to kind of grow in your actions. And I think that's kind of a, a neat way, again, relaying back to we can see people grow in various ways throughout the 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 movies and the books in this way you can oh okay i can see why they did this i also wanted to mention that if you start to level up an item that item gains plot immunity meaning it cannot be destroyed or taken away from you by the lore master that item will be with you always they would also be fun things to work in with your uh with your lore master as well is what i thought Mm -hmm. Um, I, I imagine playing the game and it's like, okay, so my first character is going to be a very high combat, very angry elf lady whose heir is going to be a Dunedain that she meets and falls in love with who eventually has the kid and the kid wants to seek out something that was taken or something like that, you know, like kind of a quest, right? I want my mom's bow and I want my dad's sword. Where are they? You know, type situation. Yeah. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is if you are upgrading a weapon or an item of any sort, it cannot be used by another player. Nope. Even if you die, it cannot be used by another player. It can be used by your heir, but it cannot be used by another player. When when Durin dies, Orcrist goes into his tomb with him. When Thorin dies. Thorin dies, yeah. When when Thorin dies, yeah. They put the sword in his tomb. Right. This is a magical yep. weapon, but it's his. It goes in his barrow. So they talk about also named weapons, which, you know, this is a way for people to build that named weapon to build Orchrist or Sting or Glamdring or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so they talk about, you know, how that can be developed. And it does go into say stuff like dwarves did not name their weapons. They may be like the axe of someone like in this case, the axe of Durin is like one of the most famous orc weapon or dwarf weapons. Right. Or if they do name them, they just keep it really secret, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it talks about how the Dunedain treasure their blades uh, and pass them down through generations of warriors. So this is, this is your chance to create that weapon that create that helm that create that shield, whatever you want to do that is becomes symbolic. Um, a great example being that Gloin, Gloin's helmet was worn by Gimli. And so at least it's the same type of helmet. We assume that it was passed down. Gotcha. I didn't know that. Yep. So then we get into virtues. So then you get to the final character that you play, right? And they get Narsil and they get the ring of Baradur and they get. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then they're this badass. (laughs) Yeah. Get the scepter. You get the green stone. You get damn. So the virtues are special abilities that are going to complement a hero's arsenal of skills and combat proficiencies. Uh, We have a list of virtues, confidence, dour-handed, nimbleness, prowess, things like that. Uh, They all do something different, like confidence raises your hope rating by two. Prowess lowers one of your attributes target numbers by one. That's the big one. And you can take them multiple times. Right. Um, And there are... Yeah, this is how you upgrade yourself. This is um like this is just the fellowship getting better over time. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's the the six like basic ones that everyone can take, but everyone also has cultural virtues where these are things that your people are known to be good at. So um like the bards are known to be dwarf friend. So if you increase your virtue, you can pick Dwarf Friend as your upgrade. And if your Fellowship Focus is a Dwarf, then when you fight in a defensive stance, um, then you get to use the Protect Companion ability. It's just 
something that you can do because you're a bard. And they all have it. You know, the Dunedain, um, the dwarves, the elves, they all have their own little cultural virtues. So these are upgrades that would probably be unique to your character as you went on. Yep. Yep. And I don't think we should spend a whole lot of time going through the cultural virtues. Just know that in this chapter, every, yeah, there is, there's a lot. Every culture has virtues. So if you're going to play a Hobbit, make sure you look through the Hobbit cultural virtues. Mm -hmm. And it, it really does define it. It helps further define you being stand out amongst your race. Like these are what people are good at, but you are the next level, Um, you know, elves fighting, uh, against the dread or archery. Yeah. Okay. If you're a deadly archer of elves, it means you're a step above. Yep. So guys, that there is are, chapters. Oh, sorry, Zach. Yeah, go ahead. There are as many cultural virtues as there are like universal virtues per culture. Yep. Like there's a bunch. This is really where you're going to take your character and turn them into a unique fighting thing. And I, I think the virtues are super important. I think there's there's so much that that like Nolan says develops your character, right? So as you as you look through this, just make sure you're paying attention and and really you know think about how you're developing your character and how they're going to be. Yeah, it's these are the important ones. Mm-hmm. So guys, that is chapters four and five. Uh, I, I don't want to jump into chapter six because that's going to be combat stuff. And I think that's going to take longer for us to go through than what we have time left. Uh, so I just want to get your final thoughts on these two chapters. Zach, we'll start with you this time. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time, like really coming to grips with how it would, um, like all come together. Uh, cause I haven't played anything like this before, but I think your upgrades being based on like one using a currency, you know, you have you get three skill points at the end of every adventure or at the end of every session. Um, and they're all basically just like ability focused, like your strength never goes up. Ever. If you're a hobbit and you pick a two in strength. It doesn't go up. Like you're stuck at you're stuck at 18 as your target number for every strength thing. Um. So these virtues are how you're going to change your character and make them better. So I, I, I'm not sure. There's no um, gym and there's no protein powder in Middle Earth. There's no, yeah, yeah. You, you're not going to get to 20 strength, you know. Um, no, but that's why you use your skills, right? That's, why, that's why you why level you, those up. That's why you've got your skills. It's why you're leveling up your skills. It's why you. It's why you're picking these virtues, like um. Uh whatever or, sure of the mark so your range attacks are favored as a hobbit right like it's like ah you know i'm not like i'm never going to get that target number down very easily but i can just have uh, advantage on all of my range attack rolls like i i'm not sure if i don't know i think it's well, interesting, and then also leveling up you really your gear dive in like you is there have to a be super that... strong if you have sting yeah it just passes right there... through is there a thing that like halfway through the adventure, everyone's just going to be like, oh, like that is just busted. You know, know, and now everyone has to be like, man, we should all take that. Or is it going to be things where they're all so unique that they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, Nolan mentioned before we got started here that he's watched a couple of actual plays, right, Nolan? Yeah. It might be worth throwing a link to me so I can drop that in the show notes so people can actually start taking a look at that kind of stuff. And maybe it's worth the the rest of Zach, you and I taking a look and just kind of seeing what we can surmise. Yeah. So, well, and I think again, about realistically about the time that you get to, Oh, that's busted. It's time for your character to retire. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it, 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 it strategically says you will get to Holy shit. What the fuck levels? Um, it, it is going to happen where you get to a point where you are a glory. I mean, you're worthy of having an heir, right? At that point of somebody to look up to, whether it's somebody that you train or somebody that's a descendant. I mean, there's, there's somebody that's going to take on and represent what you started. And I think that in and it itself is heroic. So yeah, I think about the time and it may totally change of like, oh, well, we saw this this way here. And you're like, well, that's fantastic. You are, you know, fell handed. You're a heavy hitter. I mean, you one shot any mob we do. Um, 
I don't know how that's going to help you in the library of Gondor, um, but we're looking for information, you know, so you can build a holy, you know, combat related person. And all of a sudden you're in a talking situation and you're going to regret your life. So it's kind of up to the, the lore master to sit there and say, well, it's not always going to be combat based. It's important. Travel's important, but there's only something cool. You decapitate him. And we see that with vampire, right? You can build a character that's lightning fast and trivializes everything that is combat, but it's a social game as well. Yep. And now you're going to be super weak on the social side. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really, I, I enjoyed these two chapters. I thought they were really interesting. I like, I like the importance of skills. I like seeing how important they are and how they're going to affect the character. I also liked seeing that, like I said, that pathway of being able to change some of your, your integral things, like your virtues and stuff. I like that. I like the idea of having a weapon that you've upgraded that cannot be taken away from you no matter what. Um, I do think uh, we see some of that stuff in like, I know it's happened in D and D where like uh, I've I've done something and and sometimes it's unintentional where you guys lose something or like the whole critical failure and the weapon explodes kind of thing. I like that. That can't happen. I don't know. It's just something cool. I thought. But I, mean, I do, especially if you, I mean, cause you're also using your experience points to make mm-hmm. them right. Um, which is why also, I know we've seen that where in, in our D and D games where we start to level up weapons, like we, that was something we started to apply in some of our games. And Nolan is actually the one who gave me the idea, which you said was from 3.5, right? Nolan. Mm-hmm. They had a, yeah. uh, it was a, like the book of nine rings or something like that type um, legendary weapons that grew in power with you as you right. you awoke it as you did stuff. So I know we've applied that that concept before. I just I like that there's a detailed system here on how it can happen. I, I don't know. I'm I'm still very much enjoying this book. Uh, I I again I can't I can't rave enough about the artwork. It's just it's so good. It's it really is, and the layout of the book is really well done. So yeah, I think I I highly recommend this book. I think people should buy it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very cool. And it, and there's a lot to it. I mean, that is the big thing. I mean, you know, we're on chapter five and we're just through the character creation and, and, and again, touching with, you know, why, you know, eventually you get super broken. I mean, if you think about every character, the shadow eventually takes hold of all of them and even the most noble and the greatest of them have their moments, you know, of doubt or fear or losing control. And so it's, it's an interesting thing of how important no, the hope is and morale is in this world. And I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. I would say it's more important than hit points at this point is uh, the, the sanity and keeping together. I mean, it, it is literally the fellowship, right? Yeah. Well, guys, that is all we have time for this week. Uh, unless you have something else we need to add. No. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We are going to do a little bit more chatting about the the One Ring next week. At some point, we're going to have to wrap it up and move on to something else. We're not sure what that's going to be yet, but we do have several options to look at, uh, including some new stuff that we've just started to get the the PDFs for that were that was on Kickstarter. So, lots of stuff in the pipe, lots of things to talk about, and uh, I guess we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye.